Attention all mortals, veterans and civilians alike. It's time to buckle up and get ready for a wild ride because you've just tuned in to the Swan Dingo Files. Your host, Steven Swanson, is here to help you navigate the crazy world of transitioning from military life to civilian life. And let me tell you, it's a bumpy road, but with a little bit of humor and a lot of determination, we can make it through together. Welcome to the Swandingo Files. I am your host, Steven Swanson. And today will be the first podcast episode where I will do a dive into my life and my journey up to this point so far. So initially, you know, I'm from Illinois. I joined the military back in 2003. And the only reason why I even joined was because I was kicked out of my house on my 18th birthday by my father. After I got kicked out of the house, my brother, my older brother, who was six years older than me, he took me in, gave me a place to stay, fed me, and all that stuff. The unfortunate circumstances is I had no GED. So at that time, Maytag had just announced it shutting down and closing its doors and moving to Mexico. So no real job skills, like 5,000 people about to be laid off. I wasn't really marketable to anybody in the local area. I even applied at donut shops and everything and just couldn't get a job nowhere. One of my buddies, uh, he approached me and said, well, you know, there ain't nothing here in Galesburg anymore. Why don't we join the military? It's like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. I thought about it before and I just kind of put it off only because like, ah, there'll be something out there I can find. Well, (laughs) bad times and there wasn't anything out there to find. So, I went, took the GED test. I passed. Uh, Unfortunately, he failed. And I was like, you know what? I need to find something to get me out of here fast. So I went to Air Force. You know, they kind of dragged their feet. Went to Army. They're like, yeah, we can get you out of here soon. Went down, passed everything. I don't know what chose me or what made me want to choose a cavalry scout of all things. But, I mean, hindsight 2020, I mean, I wish I would pick something better. But the video they had for training was actually pretty cool. It had the doom buggies, the dirt bikes, you know, the Bradley fighting vehicle, the Humvee, all that fun stuff. But so I picked that job. No real coaching. Nobody ever, you know, I didn't really have any guidance there. The recruiters weren't helping me at all. They just needed numbers at that time. So I ended up leaving for OSET training uh, February 23, or excuse me, 2003, and went there to Fort Knox, Kentucky, uh, did my 16 weeks total of training, came home for a few days when I, after I graduated, and my first duty station was Fort Riley, Kansas. Uh, Fort, Riley, Can- Fort Riley, Kansas, I've never heard of it, never even, nobody spoke of it at, you know, none of my drill sergeants ever said nothing about it, so I was like, where the heck is this place? But there was a bunch of us heading there. Uh, as soon as I showed up there at uh, in processing, got my unit assignment, they're like, you're going to 270th Armor. Don't even uh, unpack your bags. You're leaving right away. It's like, hell yeah. That's what I wanted. I, exactly what I wanted. So went there, uh, got to my unit. They shipped me overseas, Iraq, within like three weeks of being at Fort Riley. Um, no idea what I was doing. Never actually met my unit. I was a nervous 18-year-old kid. I was a wreck. But, 
you know, being a small unit, you know, there was some hazing initially and, you know, stuff like that. But my gunner really showed me a lot of stuff and he really helped me out quite a bit, uh, kind of get acclimated to the platoon and what we were doing at the time and all that stuff. And everything was actually pretty hunky-dory there for a long time. And then it started to happen. Uh, we actually had the Discovery Channel doing a documentary on my unit. And one day, we are driving back to our FOB and, and Baghdad when we had an IED. And there was no training at this time for IEDs, none of that stuff. They were still new, uh, relatively small, so we thought up to that point. And... This one wasn't so small. It was starting to where they were getting bigger. So brand new private still. No training on any of this. My TC is bleeding out to fucking elbow. The Discovery Channel guy has no hearing. I uh, end up blowing his eardrums out. I wonder what job he has now, honestly. <laughs> and then my gunner got a bunch of shrapnel in his butt. And I'm standing there like, what do I do? I've never trained for this. This is brand new. But... That was really, on that first appointment, that was like the scariest time. Just, you know, never having training for anything. Uh, not really knowing what to do at that point. I mean, of course, the training got better as time went on. But that was definitely, I think that really rattled my nerves on the first one. But it kind of woke me up to, hey, this is a war zone. This isn't, you know, Disneyland. So, so after that deployment... Uh, Went back to Fort Riley to my duty station. Did a year there, a lot of train up. Uh, actually met my now wife, but <clears throat> met my now wife. But you know we were both young, so but we'll get to that later. But end up meeting another woman. End up I end up getting married and deploying again on my second deployment. Uh, my second deployment was a little bit crappier i'd say the ieds were bigger more prevalent um a lot more a lot more things going on in that one i think at that point everybody was starting to get tired of us being in the country that we had no real game plan what was going on we're just kind of going through the motions at that point uh we ended up losing my driver he ended up getting killed by an ied and it was I think that was another wake-up call because I'd never lost one of my own at that point in the first one. And then this one was, you know, we were, you know, several months in and finally lost somebody. But uh, it was a wake-up call. It was, hey, this isn't, you know, this isn't like the first one. This is a lot different. Um, they're tired of us. You know, the first one, we go eat ice cream in the marketplace, take our vest or Kevlar's off. This one, I wouldn't even dare. Because you just didn't know who was good, who was bad. Um, but made it through that deployment. Uh, you know, I did get shrapnel at one point, but I never did get it my Purple Heart because I didn't think it was severe enough. And it was self-treatable. Um, after the second one, I went back to Fort Riley. They announced the shutdown of my unit, and it was moving down to Fort Bliss. I was trying to deploy again, but I ended up getting orders to go to Fort Knox. And... That was my second duty station, back to where I did my training at, was Fort Knox, Kentucky. There, you know, I was put in charge, or not charge, but I was 
uh, did the training for the rappel tower and the mountain site training. And I, so I got to go to air assault school, rappel master out of Fort Campbell, which was actually pretty cool. Um, so I got to learn how to fast rope and rappel. And then I also started doing college courses cause it's like, you know what, you know, I need to start looking for the outside. Cause my initial enlistment was six years. And I think at that point I was already at like four or five and it's like, man, it's coming up to the end. I need to start looking at my future. So I started doing college classes, did a couple public speaking and history and other things like that. Um, Cause like, what if I do stay in? What, what if I get out? I need something. Well, as my time's come to an end, I talked to my now ex-wife about, Hey, why not just stay in You're, She was in college at university of Louisville doing her psychology degree. And it's like, well, if I do one more year, it'll support us through this. You'll be done by the time I get back or just about done. So it's like, all right, cool. I re-enlisted for South Korea. Um, went there for a year. I actually had a lot of fun there. Uh, the unit was actually pretty good. We had some pretty good NCOs there, good soldiers. It was a lot of good times out there. Um while I was there, about halfway through, though, I ended up getting divorced from my ex-wife. And that honestly was the best thing that ever happened to me. <coughs> I don't know how many of you remember MySpace, but uh, back then, MySpace was still big. Facebook had just started coming out. And I went and found you know, my now wife and her sister and her brother on MySpace. And I started talking to them. It's like, you know what? When I get back, I'll come out and see the family. I've already met the mom, my now mother-in-law. You know, I know all of you. It's like, I haven't heard from you. Nobody's heard from uh, Marshall because Marshall was, me and him were together 2003, four, and then roommates out of Fort Riley. It's like, you know what? I'll come see you guys. I kind of miss you. You know, Marshall was always there for me and really always helped me out. So after South Korea and all that craziness there, and I'm heading out to get back to Louisville, me and the ex-wife aren't on great terms still, so I go out to Albuquerque where my my uh, brother-in-law and my now wife are living. And get out there, me and her are hanging out because he had to go to college and she was married and started finding out a lot of stuff about her now ex-husband, what he was doing to her, and I wasn't happy about it. Long story short, I said some things, said some the right things, I guess, I don't know. I really don't remember, but I said the right things, and my next duty station was Campbell. She didn't follow me out to Campbell. All the way out there. Didn't really know me that well. Just packed up her truck. Her dad even helped her, and she came all the way out to Campbell. Uh, so, And she knew I was deploying to Afghanistan. I volunteered to go to Campbell because I wanted to deploy again. I, I really needed to get another deployment under my belt. So... It's like, all right, well, she came out there. She knew I was leaving. We spent about two months together. I left. She went enrolled in college and started working out and getting her life improved. So, but uh, while I was in Campbell, I I didn't, oh, just so you all know, I didn't marry her at that point yet. We were still, you know, kind of getting to know each other, but um, so no marriage yet, no kids or nothing. Neither one of us had kids yet. So when 
so I went to Afghanistan for, out of Campbell. I was with First Brigade, First uh, <laughs> First Brigade Hunter, First Airborne, excuse me, and One Three Two Cav, and got there. Man, whole new world over there in Afghanistan. We my unit alone had two hundred seventy four firefights out of the year we were there. Um, we did take one casualty, or one one soldier did get killed. Uh, he was fairly new to our platoon, hadn't been there very long, and but we were so lucky to survive. Like the guys that did survive, we were so lucky without you know life, limb, eyesight, losing any of that, minus the one soldier. Um, but yeah, that, I, I, my first mission in Afghanistan, we went across. We were up in uh, Kunar province, and first mission. There's only one road through my sector. And so, so to get over to a vast majority of our area, you had to cross a bridge, and not a very safe bridge. Couldn't get any military vehicles over there because they're too heavy. So, walk over there. We're doing some, you know, visiting. So, you know, just kind of talking to people. Well, we weren't. We we're just pulling security, and we start taking fire from the mountains. So, up in that area in Afghanistan, everything is mountainous, and when you think you're at the top of one mountain. There's even more mountains on top of that. It's like, jeez, they just like never end. So, <clears throat> so we we keep going up. We're walking up this path, and all of a sudden we start taking fire. And it's like, we can't see where it's coming from. We must be the luckiest sons of bitches in the fucking world because we did, our forward observer did a call for fire mission from the howitzers from the base or from the fob. And just luckily, even though they were 500 meters off, somehow they landed on the guys. And But we were running out of that village trying to get out of there because we couldn't see the fire. It was pinging all around us, and it's like, there's really nothing we can do. So our first mission ended up running out of the, um, out of the village trying to, you know, bounding backwards because we just didn't know where it was coming from. So there's really no plan of action. There's really no maneuvering you can do. It's all, they had the higher ground, and it's just like, let's just get safety. That was the first mission in Afghanistan. So, yeah, there's a lot of stories I, I go into from there, but it was crazy times. Crazy. But I do miss it. I, I think that was my favorite deployment out of all. Uh, all my deployments so far, it was my favorite one. Um. After that deployment in Afghanistan, I came home. Uh, Leona, you know, she was a good person, stuck by me. She was, you know, done everything right. So me and her, you know, after you get back from deployment, you get 30 days to leave to go and just kind of relax and chill and all that stuff. So went out to her family to see hers because she hadn't been home and, you know, Went out to Fort Defiance, Arizona, where she's from. Saw her family. At uh, some point out there, I'm guessing, she ended up getting pregnant. And that was our first child. And long list of children to come up. Hold on. And then, uh, so, then we went to see my family. That's when she took the pregnancy test and found out she was absolutely pregnant. And went back to Fort Campbell did some training up a little bit there. Most of it was administrative stuff. I ended up getting orders to go recruiting after that. And so we had my first kid there at Campbell. 
Uh, I went to recruiting school like just a couple weeks after that, which kind of felt bad because neither one of us really knew how to take care of a baby at that point. So she actually kept came down there. I think it was like two or three times she came down to, what was it, Fort, God, what was it, Fort Jackson, South Carolina? Yeah, the recruiting school down there and for the Army. She came down there like two or three times to see me while I was there because I basically had a, my own room to myself. So she actually stayed in the room with the baby, and it, it was nice. So I kind of felt bad she had to drive that far with a newborn, but uh, she, she really wanted to see me. Um, at that point, we had gone ahead and got married. Uh, we didn't have any formal wedding. We just courthouse. We both had a thing before. Like, well, you know, we'll have we'll have a thing later on. We still have it. Um, then, so I went out to, I got, I actually got the exact location almost that I wanted for recruiting though. You pick, you know, I think it was three different places you pick. I wanted Arizona and I'm getting Prescott, Arizona, which is only like four hours away from her family, which is like, that's perfect. So we get out there, we buy a house, had her mom and dad actually, while I was in recruiting school, going out to the house and looking at it and looking at different houses and they're more than obliged to do it too it's like awesome we found the perfect house you know back then it was you know compared to what i need now it's small but it is what it is so we got that house moved in um she ended up getting pregnant again um another you know number two had the baby out there i did my three years recruiting nothing really eventful you know i was fairly good at it you know had good times out there helped out at the Mingus Mountain uh, VFW out there because they were just starting up. So kind of helped out there with Fred Nelson and a few of the other guys. And they're all good people out there. All good people. I, it's just, God, I, I really can't say how nice the people out there in Prescott and Prescott Valley were. They were just, I don't know, it, it was like a whole new world out there. And it was awesome. Uh, the weather was always nice, never too hot, never too cold. Um, oh, I forgot to tell you, I was playing semi-pro football while I was out there and like two or three games in, I ended up breaking my foot. So that really laid me up. My, my, what was it? His second birthday, if I remember right. Yeah. Preston's second birthday, my oldest. I was supposed to do all the cooking and everything. Well, the day before I broke my foot and the wife was not happy with me. So luckily my father had come out and he did all the cooking and all that stuff. So I was like, oh, thank God. So. But, so, really nothing eventful out in recruiting. I mean, you get to meet a lot of cool people. You go to different schools. And, you know, and everybody out there in Arizona is very supportive of the military, which is nice. Then, so, it came time to re-enlist. I re-enlisted again. It was supposed to be my indefinite one. Uh, Fort Polk, Louisiana was my next duty station. This is where everything kind of went downhill. Uh, I got out to Fort Polk. I knew they were deploying. Um... Deployed out there. I made the seven list, actually. Just when I got to Fort Polk, I made the seven list. And ended up getting pinned not not too long after. I had a fairly low number. It was 60s, I think it was, out of 100-something. I can't even remember the total list. So it didn't take too long for me to get promoted to seven. Um, But I deployed. I still have a lot of mental health problems. And... It's something I still struggle with today to talk about, uh, but I did end up having a complete mental breakdown while over there. I just, there was nothing happening, nothing going on at all. I mean, I think we had one rocket attack, that was it. And it's just like, this is just, 
not what I deploy, not what I signed up for. This is not it. I never signed up to do fob security, and that's it. That's all we were doing. Um, didn't have the manpower. I was stressed out, which was not good for my mental health. You know, I didn't even know any of my old soldiers hardly ever, at all because they were so spread thin between all the details, and they kept bringing like more officers over and higher enlisted. Like we don't need them. We need. We need soldiers to do the job on the ground, not not officers and uh, non-commissioned officers. We need enlisted. And it's just, I don't know, we were so stressed out, and my mental health was deteriorating fast because I went over there, and I wanted to see gunfights. I wanted to battle. And it didn't happen. So I ended up losing it while I was over there in Afghanistan, finally. Um, went back. I actually got medevaced out because I just couldn't do it no more. My... My mental health was bad. This was my fourth deployment, the easiest one of them all, but it's not what I wanted. I needed to see action. I needed to see gunfights, IEDs, stuff like that. And if you've ever deployed, you'll understand that. Just sitting on a fob, not doing anything, it's just, I don't know how people do it. I don't, I don't know. So went back to Fort Polk. Um, while I was gone, I did miss one of my childbirths, uh, my third one. Um, and uh, I wasn't back very long, and I got sent to uh, inpatient treatment out of Texas. I can't remember the name of the town anymore, but I got sent there for 47 days. And just, you know, started off really rough there. Um, the psychiatrist that was there and all the staff are very, very supportive of the military. But I just was having a rough time because it's just... In a nutshell, it's not really what I saw over there, but I did something back in 2004, or excuse me, yeah, 2004, 2005 deployment. I did something that was despicable, and to this day, I'm still struggling struggling with it right now. Um, it's not really something I really like talking about yet. Very few people know, but it's weighed on my mind a lot, and it's caused me to drink a lot, uh, just do other things that... You know, I did start uh, abusing opioids there for a little bit while I was recruiting. But it's just that one instant that really stuck with me. And so basically when I deployed to Afghanistan the first time and the second time, I wanted to, I, I wanted to, I deployed because I wanted to die. Basically, I wanted them to kill me. I didn't want to do it by myself. So I was taking all the risk. It just wasn't lack of them trying. It's just they suck at shooting. So, but so I went to inpatient treatment. I got the help I needed for forty-seven days, kinda. But when I got back at Fort Polk, it's just like there was no network set up. There was no, you know, I don't, I don't really know how to put it, but there was no system in place really to for soldiers that were struggling. Um, and then my, the therapist I was seeing, you know, she, I don't know. She just, I have trouble communicating with people uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff. And she eventually just said, you know what? I'm going to put you in for a medical, uh, medical discharge. And it's like, like I've been doing this for 14 years already at that point. And it's like, I, Part of me is like, I, I don't even know what to do. Like, 
I didn't take it real seriously at first. Like, okay, whatever. That's going to take forever. It took like four months, I think. Four or five months. And doing all the appointments. And finally, it just started hitting me. Like, man, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Uh, like, I got three kids right now. I think at that point, too, the wife was pregnant again with the fourth. And it was it was scary. Like, four kids. Three kids, one on the way. Not going to get a retirement. I don't know what I was going to get out of the VA. But luckily, luckily with all the injuries I've occurred and everything like that, and I'm getting 90% from the VA. So I do get, you know, $2,900 out of the VA. So it's not, you know, great, but it's better than nothing. It does help out drastically. So, <coughs> so it helps out. Um, and I'm getting out. Oh, before I got out, I was supposed to go work for the state. Uh, what my uncle used to do was he was a highway maintainer. I was supposed to go do that. Well, it, there's a long wait list after I passed all the testing and everything and got my CDL. It just, it was too long of a wait. Oh, so I'll let you know. I got out May 7th, 2017. Or excuse me, June 7th, 2017. And I went, moved up to Illinois with the kids and everything got settled. Instantly started working at trying to get a job and all that stuff. Instantly. Didn't even take any time off. Nothing. You know, kids. And they were my motivation for it all. June 11th, I walked out of the DMV in Illinois with my CDL. No driving test, just a written test. That's it. No truck driving school. Nothing. So, yeah. No idea how to drive a truck. So, but I had my CDL. So that's when, you know, when I transitioned out, you know, my first job was a, I went and did local truck driving as a rock hauler. And it was, it was rough that first week trying to learn how to drive a 13 speed. It was not like driving a car. It was kind of embarrassing, honestly. So, but so that's basically what I've been doing now. I just been going through, you know, I've kind of jumped around. And then about a year, a little over a year ago now, about a year and a half now, I'd say. Oh, also forgot to tell you, while I was up, while we were living in Illinois, of course, we had the fourth kid. And okay, so here's, I have two more kids now after that. And the only reason why they're here is because I, I was supposed to, I had everything set up. I was supposed to go get a vasectomy. And the day before I had it done, the provider called and like, yeah, the doctor's not going to be there. It's like, what? It's like, I had time off. I had my mom coming out to help out with everything and nothing. It's like, oh, crap. Like, well, we can reschedule. It's like, oh, we have to wait to reschedule because I got to figure out my schedule. Well, then I get rescheduled in time and I had two more kids after my four. So now we're up to six. I got one girl, five boys. And it's just like, ugh. What the hell? But, you know, not the end of the world or nothing like that. I, I mean, I love my babies to death. I just, like, what the heck? So when me and the wife first got together, she's like, oh, I want six kids. I'm like, I don't, I don't want any kids. Like, why? Guess what? We compromised on six. So, yeah, congratulations. The woman always wins. That's, yeah, never fails. But so to catch up on everything, uh, about a year and a half ago, I moved down here to Texas, just got tired of Illinois. The wife wasn't happy up there either. 
no real Mexican food up there. And she's, you know, being from Arizona, she's big time in the Mexican food and just no real Mexican food. So, but she also didn't care for the weather either. And so, and we always kind of wanted to move down to Texas. We never really knew where. So, so moved down here, uh, still currently truck driving right now. Um, and currently working on trying to get out of the truck at this point. So out of everything, I'd say I don't regret anything out of my life that I've done. Um, I'd have the best childhood. The military was very good to me. If it wasn't for the military, I don't know where I'd be right now, in all honesty, because I was not on the right path up to that point. But I won't take any of it back. Um, the whole time I was in, you know, I moved up fairly quick, made my seven, which I never thought was going to happen. Uh, my initial contract was like six years. I was like, man, I'm just going to stick it out, stay, do six years and be done, get out. And I don't know. Well, I enjoyed the military. I loved the lifestyle. I loved the deployments. It's like, you know what, maybe we make this a career, you know, at 20 years guaranteed retirement for the rest of my life. I'll be 38, get out. Well, Got cut short about 14 and a half years, but I still drew draw a paycheck every month. So, but I just really, I don't know. I stayed in because I really loved the military. It was fun times. I got to lead soldiers. Uh, I had good and bad. Um, that's every job. It doesn't matter. But, you know, and then getting out, that was scary though. I'm not going to lie. With kids and everything, you've got to be like, you can't just sit there and be like, oh, I'm going to take time off. You know, I've never taken a break since I've been out. Never. Uh, my kids come first, their needs, their wants. They always come first. And, you know, that transition out was scary. Not knowing what was going to happen next. But, you know, I had family. I had my wife. She was very, very supportive of everything I've done up to this point. Uh, that woman really kept me grounded and kept my head and my head down and, you know, facing in the right direction. And if it wasn't for her, I don't know at this point because she's seen the dark side of me before, the very dark side. And we'll talk about all that later on other podcasts. But, you know, I'd have to say I'm doing pretty good, though. You know, I gave my wife the GI Bill. She went to college. She's a nurse now. Uh, down here in Texas, she works at the prison. I'm still driving a truck, just temporarily, hopefully. Um, I'm working with a guy named Trey Carmichael, and he's really taken me under his wing and has shown me, or is showing me and helping me try to steer another path so I can spend more time with my kids. Because end of the day, when you got kids, it's all about them. But if you don't spend any time with them, I mean, what what is it really for? What are you really doing? I mean, I've already missed so much between the deployments, a couple of childbirths, you know, then even being out, transitioning out, I still miss so much because I work more now than I do in the military. So I say this, spend time with your kids, get to that place where you're comfortable and just cherish the moments you get with them because they're not going to last long. My My oldest is 11 now, and I honestly can't tell you that we, I've done what I've wanted to do in my life, and I feel bad. Same thing with my wife, too. We've been together coming up on 13 years all together, um, almost 11 years being, or no, 11 years married, 13 years together, and we still haven't got to do what we wanted to do. Nothing. Um, so find your niche in life. 
when you transition out. Go, really go at it hard. Um, if you ever need help, just reach out. Ask for help. Get some guidance. People are always there. There's tons of resources out there. There's tons of people out there that are more than willing to talk to veterans, help them out, uh, get them steered in the right direction, even give them an opportunity to change their life altogether. So it's out there. So, But I'm looking forward to talking to you all next time. This is the end of the first Swandingo Files. And I will be on again here very soon. Have a good night. Well, folks, that's all we have for today's episode of the Swandingo Files. I hope you've enjoyed this journey with your host, Stephen Swanson, as much as he enjoys recording it. Remember, transitioning from military life to civilian life is tough. But with a little bit of grit, a dash of humor, and a lot of determination, you can overcome any obstacle. So until next time, keep on trucking and keep Swandingo going.